This episode of Landmine Radio is sponsored by Dittman Research. Do you know what the most valuable thing in the world is? High-quality information. Because high-quality information informs much better decision-making. Dittman Research has been providing high-quality information to Alaska's leading businesses, organizations, and campaigns for 50 years. Do you really know what Alaskans think about your company or your issue? How about your clients, your shareholders, or your employees? So stop fumbling around in the dark. Hire Dittman Research and find out what's really going on. DittmanResearch.com Okay, back here with uh, my buddy Bill Evans. You're becoming a landmine radio regular. I know. I think I should be on every week now. I Sure. Yeah, that'd be lot, fun. A lot to talk about here in the next several months ahead. Yeah, it's like there's not no, any shortage of news to talk about. So so you're one of the several folks running for mayor, and there's, I count, about seven. There's like somewhere between seven and 700. Right. Know. We don't even know. Yeah. Um, now, this whole thing with Mayor Berkowitz and the scandal, which blew up, kind of went global. What's that? You didn't hear about that? <laughs> scandal no what? didn't you tell me somebody sent it to, you mentioned somebody sent it to you from abroad uh no my my daughter when i was telling her about it she checked it out from abroad because it's uh, on youtube so you can see it anywhere in the world so uh, we do we do have the yeah the youtube video we got the voicemail and posted it yeah and it's already up to it's up to last time i checked two hundred thousand. damn the unhinged voicemail I am surprised it's not more that's it's still growing it, yeah, was, I, it was five I, ten it was 40 it was 80 it was 250 and like everyone else, I've heard from people in the lower 48 that have said, what's going on up there? It's like yeah, it's, crazy it's, stuff. It's, it's, we went from a little weird thing in Anchorage to a kind of globally covered event. <laughs> yeah. um, so this scandal, uh, which, which you know, I, I'm, I'm sorry it happened. I think it's mm. the way people reacted to the whole early on. You know, some people thought they were hoping some something horrible like that. You know, it's really bad. But it happened, and, and here we are, and the mayor's resignation goes into effect. This is Tuesday, so... Friday, Friday. Uh-huh. Um, and this has really put this mayoral race in the spotlight. When before it was really kind of focused, folks were looking at the legislative elections, the you know U.S. Senate, Sullivan race, the Don Young race. But now everybody's everybody's in Anchorage. A lot of folks talking about the mayoral race. Yeah, I've noticed that. So you filed last last earlier in the year, right? Oh, actually, it was December of last year. It's been. Forever. I think we had a conversation about, um, didn't I inspire you, or wasn't there a joke about... Well, you always inspire me, but... Because yeah. we did a podcast before you filed. Actually, that's true. Yeah, you even asked me in the, the podcast in October or November if I was going to run, and I think I told you, nah. And, but, uh, yeah, that was part of the inspiration. So, there, there's all these different candidates, but now, now there's this idea of... And the way I... Re- there's a legal memo um, about from the Assembly, or from the Municipal Attorney... Now, there's different options. I mean, there could be a special election, but there doesn't have to be. Correct. And if there was, it'd be in in January because it has to be after 90 days. Yeah, the earliest they can have it's January 21st. That's the earliest it could be. And then there'd be like very likely a runoff. Yeah, almost certainly if the number of people get into that. And then there'd be the next April. Yeah, actually you would have, uh, if they do a special election, you're looking at a scenario where you might have an actual mayoral election four times in four months. Right, so two, two regular, two runoffs. Yep. So if, if, if um, they did do, and I don't think they will, but if they did do a special election, would, yeah. you, would you run in the special one? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think, I think anybody who's part of the group that's running you know, for real for the April election 
almost has to run uh-huh. if there's a special election. Um, if you're, you've got your campaign up already. You're serious about the job. It just uh, creates like a, a money you have to run. You, know, you have to, and then whoever, I guess whoever ends up, the, run, the runoff folks will get more money, but it, it you know, you creates a resources problem. It does. Yeah. It makes it a lot more expensive. Although I guess, you know, you get your, you get all your message out and get your name out and everything out for the first one. And after that, it's just, you know, a little less friction and you're just kind of, you know, keeping your name out in front of everybody. And especially if you win on the, in the special election, you know, you get all that boost just from the, uh-huh. the, inf- you know, the news of that. Uh, so yeah, I think anybody who's serious has to run in the special election. So are you seeing, I mean, I'm sure you're aware of the Save Anchorage Open Alaska groups, which which started as, I was at some of the early meetings. I mean, it was business folks who were concerned about the, the assembly buying these buildings, and they had some legitimate, I would say legitimate concerns. Yep. And then it kind of, especially on Facebook, it went to this really weird, have you seen some of these comments and postings? And I've seen bits and pieces of them, yeah, that people posted. But it's, it's, you know, and you go to the meetings, obviously you see some of the folks who show up to the meetings, and it's become this kind of, almost like a sideshow at, at the assembly. And you were on the assembly for three years. I mean, did you ever see anything like that? No. I mean, we've had, you know, we had some meetings uh, like the Equal Rights Ordinance and, and some of the others that uh, got people heated and had a full crowd and, you know, days of testimony, but nothing like the circus that's been going on of late. Yeah, it's just, I, I think, you know, going forward, I mean, now there's Austin Quinn Davidson's going to be the acting mayor and, um, that could open up a whole new kind of realm of, of people are going to, cause they were mad at Ethan. Now, now he's going to be gone. So now they have someone new to be mad at. Yeah. People are just mad. I mean, I think, you know, for a lot of reasons there are people, you know, maybe it's the whole pandemic and what it's doing in everybody's lives or the presidential election or just the, you know, the fact that we've just become more partisan every minute for the last, you know, 10 years. Um, yeah, people are angry, and they take it out in a lot of really, I'd say, almost inappropriate ways. So a friend of mine brought this up to me a few weeks ago, and, and she kind of works as a mediator, and, and, and she works with people, you know, so she's getting, you know, kind of psych, psych, psychology is important to her. Mm-hmm. And she was talking to me about, um, and you were in the military, so yep. you've, you've probably aware of this. There's a reason we only you know, put soldiers in combat for six to nine months, because... You start to crack. I mean, you know, just it's just right. the way the mind, you know, yeah, the stress, get, stress, and yeah. getting bombs and bullets and mm-hmm. killed and all this stuff. So she was telling me that she thinks there's like an equally similar thing happening with COVID. It's not bombs and, and, and bullets, but it's it's. Get, am I going to get sick? I'm stuck in my house. I'm going to lose my job. My kid has to be on Zoom, and and all these things are happening that are very very stressful, that are out of the control, and that you just have you know you're dealing with all the time. And she was saying that she, and this is March, April, now we're about six, seven months past that. And she had this kind of theory, which which I was going to ask you about. I mean, people are starting to be to that point now where, you know, when people are in combat for six or seven months, they start to kind of lose it. I mean, do you think there's a similarity there with now people just all this stress and these things they have no control over starting to manifest into something? I mean, you saw this guy on Zoom, this weird thing yesterday, or the New York Times. New York, the, oh, the, yeah, the, Jeffrey Tubin. Yeah, the New Yorker yeah. guy. I mean, that's yeah. just... All these things we keep saying, all these scandals, and just it's, yeah. I mean, twenty twenty takes the cake. I think uh, I've been around a while, and and there's been nothing like this. Yeah, I think all those factors are getting people pretty stressed out, and uh, you know, people are angry going into this, and I think it's just whether it's fear or just distrust, and then you have scandals. You know, and I I feel bad for the scandal too, but you know, it, it just 
creates more of the impression that, you know, government and people in it are corrupt and you can't trust them and they're, they're all liars. And we've been going down that path forever. Um, but it's becoming so entrenched because of social media and other issues that, uh, you know, we have to do something that brings some semblance of trust back to people. Do you, do you think, I mean, I would say there is an overall breakdown in the, in the trust of institutions, whether it's Supreme Court, the FBI, colleges, local government. Yeah. Do you think the, the breakdown in trust, trust in institutions in our society, can we, can we come back from that? Uh, I hope so. Um, I, I don't think you can be confident that you can. I mean, societies rise and fall all the time, and they have no, for history. No, no government has ever lasted more than 300 years. Check it. I mean, it's, I think the Romans were the last. I mean, you look at Soviet Union was 75, you know, Weimar Republic, all the, they change. These governments change. Yeah. I mean, it, it things change. And, uh, and once you start breaking down, I, I, and I think the last several years, I mean, you know, Trump's a perfect example. If nothing else, the guy breaks norms. Um, you know, he doesn't do things necessarily always that are illegal, but he really has no interest in these kind of polite norms that have taken place through politics and through our government forever. Um, and once you start breaking down those norms, um, you, those are hard to get back because the, you know, they're just, they're not real. They're just something that it's like being polite or courteous. It's not real. It's not enforceable. But once people start disregarding those general rules of civility and decorum and dignity and things mm -hmm. like that. I think we really have to go back to, at least in my mind, Obama wins and, you know, this Tea Party thing happens and it, it, it becomes a big movement. And, you know, the, the Republicans, uh, many of them in the Congress just decide, hey, this Obama, we're not, nothing's going to happen. And, and that's to me where a lot of this kind of stuff, this very divided politics started. Because at first there, there were, they were willing to work and then it just kind of became very clear they weren't. And after 2010, the midterm, you know, and then it just became, it was just all the time, you know. Yeah, I don't know if it actually started there. I think it becomes more obvious at about that point. Um, yeah, I didn't mean start. I just mean that that's where it really starts to manifest visibly. Yeah, and people stop caring about the... I mean, we've come to the point, it seems obvious, and I think the Supreme Court uh, thing that's going on is you know maybe the best example of it. We've come to the point now where it's pure power politics. It's the ends justify the means, no matter what. We can do this. We'll, we're going to get it done. We don't care what that does to the future or what you're going to do when you get in power. So we have these periods where we go back and forth between Democrat and Republican rule, and each person then undoes as many things as he can from what the prior person did. Um, and it's just not, uh, it's not that productive. Uh, it's not that good for the country. What, what do you think about the Supreme Court? I mean, I, I, I believe obviously it's a hypocrisy, but the one difference that, that is there is um, the President Obama, when he was he was Democrat, and the and the Senate was Republican. Now it's they're in line, right? But but under this logic, like like is there when's the cutoff? Like what when is when is too late to nominate? I, uh, legally, it is never too late. I mean, there's no restriction in the Constitution or uh, any laws that say you can't nominate up to the day of the election. Um, and, but I, I just mean, and and if you ask Republicans mm -hmm. who were who who stopped um, Garland, right? Who are now rushing through, uh, bear, uh, is it? Uh, Coney Barrett. Coney Barrett. When, I mean, if you ask them, Lindsey Graham, and there's a quote of Lindsey Graham yeah. from a couple, you know, 
couple of years ago saying, if you use my words against me, if it happens, then use my words now against me then. Yeah. And I, and I don't care if you do. <laughs> so, yeah. And he said that, but yeah. I mean, if you ask them, like, when would they really, like, if it was, if it was Democrat, a Democrat president, Democrat Senate, when would they say, is it a year? Is it six months? Or do they just not give a shit as long as we're in charge? I think we've come to the point. I think we realize with society now that the Supreme court picks are probably the most important of all the things that happen in government. It has the biggest effect on how society actually operates, more so than even almost the presidential election. So when, when did it really get un- unglued with Bork, I guess? Because before that, like, even after that, I guess, I mean, a lot of these folks got um, R.B. Ruth Bader Ginsburg and, and Scalia, I guess they were before Bork, right? Um, Scalia and Ruth Bader were after Bork. Bork was 1986 or 1988. That's right. So they were after. So, and even they got 90 some vote, 90 some votes. Yeah. We've had pure, I mean, it hasn't been all, you know, downhill. I think, I think Bork was one of the, the first examples of a real political, cause he was, the man was eminently qualified to be on the Supreme court, so th- but he, his views were political in, in such a way that he was, you know. So the Bork thing for the folks who don't, and I just learned about this, I, two or three years ago, Frontline did a great special yeah on this and then I, I read about it but he was nominated by reagan was it reagan or bush reagan reagan and and um everything was kind of got got unglued but he made this weird comment the what did he say intellectual feast and i don't I, remember I, yeah specifically but yeah he's but, yeah. but that's when mcconnell actually got in the senate and 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 he's been you know since then that was like his that was it for him he said i'm gonna get revenge and then they tried to do it to um a couple years later the whole thing with uh clarence thomas, clarence thomas. Yeah, I mean, we've had a lot much more. We've politicized. I mean, the Warren Court in the 60s, you know, really became a very activist court and did pass a lot of laws that were kind of on the liberal side, uh, expanding freedoms, doing things like that, uh, up to the, the Warren Burger Court, Roe v. Wade, and all those things. Um, and then, so the pushback was that, you know, conservatives kind of realized, no, we've got to, you know, we've got to get our people on the Supreme Court, otherwise we have this. Thing. This is the the uh, Federalist Society. Yeah, that's where the Federalist Society kind of started out from, and, and its goal was to really create a bench of uh, conservative, judicially conservative judges that can serve. I'm not a lawyer. You're a lawyer. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of friends that are lawyers. And, you know, the j- judges should be in an ideal world impartial, but, but nobody's, I mean, everybody has opinions, and we all have ideas but i mean how 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 should it work i mean they they read what the leg- law is the language mm-hmm. and then they look at the constitution and they make a decision is that kind of how it should ideally work yeah i mean ideally it works that way there are uh, unfortunately there are different kind of uh, interpretation i mean the constitution is so many words it doesn't include everything that we do you know it was written you know 200 and some years ago uh, so there is a level of interpretation that goes on, and you have a big divide between those who are like originalists and basically want only what was kind of either understood the Constitution to mean at the time um, uh, or what was actually in the writing and nothing further. And you have people that think the Constitution is more of a living document that's setting out certain principles that the court has to evolve over time to match the kind of well, changing B- conditions. B- Bill Maher... Uh Last two weeks ago on a show, Adam Schiff was on there, and there, there was a topic of Bill Marshall. We should just rewrite the fucking thing. And Adam Schiff made a good point. He's, he's like, I don't really want the people, like, imagine how rewriting that thing right now would, on both sides. Yeah, no, it, it's as it flawed and as limiting as the Constitution is. I can't imagine 
holding a constitutional convention and and trying to rewrite it. Just imagine like the party convention. Oh my God. uh, How that would be on the national level. Or you'd have to do it like they did it back then. You'd have to have, you know, like a a small set of people that are locked in a room with the windows closed with no comments coming out into the public about what they're doing. They got these, they got the cell phones. And because you know, it was, they kept it very quiet in the constitutional convention. They didn't want people to know because they knew they would, it would, stir things up, whatever they were deciding. So when they talk about, a lot of times you hear like, oh, they get this pick and they're going to overturn Roe v. Wade. How was how would that um, practically wor- work? Because, I mean, that's the ruling, right? I mean, can you, can the court just, can they just overrule their, an old decision? Yeah. Or do they have to have a new case and based no, on would, this? It would be in a new case. A new case would come up to them that would challenge the underlying decision in Roe v. Wade or the subsequent decisions on abortion that have come down since then. And they would rule in a way that was in, you know, changed what was, you know, written in 1973. Are there any, exa- I mean, give any examples of things, times where the court has done, I mean, I guess oh, slavery, we do it all I the mean, time. slavery. Yeah, no, we do it all Slavery's the time. Slavery's a big one. <laughs> yeah, there's, uh, you know, th- there's this, the doctrine of stare decisis, which means the court is supposed to ha- give great weight to prior decisions. You just don't willy-nilly overturn them, especially ones that are important and ones that have been long-standing. So this is what they call like the precedent. precedent yeah, exactly. Um, they're all, I mean, they're all precedent and, and stare decisis just means that they have to give, you know, kind of uh, weight to that. They just don't overturn it easily. Um, you, but, guys, you guys love the Latin, don't you? Yeah, I guess. I don't know where that comes from, but uh, yeah, there's all kind of Latin phrases so we, we can sound like we're smart or something. Um, it's my friend Lee thinks. He's like, he's like, <laughs> we sound really smart if we, yeah, I said, if we say these Latin words. Yeah, that uh, that's a big facade. Um, and he's saying that as a, he's not saying that as a, He's, ma- he's mocking it when he yes. says that. <laughs> I would hope so. I know Lee. Because yeah. um, he's not that smart either. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I think the, you know, the the thing that interesting about Roe v. Wade, and I don't know how we started talking about these kind of issues, but uh, Roe v. Wade is based on a right of privacy that the court found in the Constitution. It's never written in there. It's one of those things that's, you know, the Bill of Rights doesn't contain a, a right to privacy, but in 1965, in a case called uh, a Griswold case, uh, the Supreme Court found that there was a right to privacy. The, if you read between the lines, in essence, uh, they call them penumbras and emanations from the other writings, form this right to privacy. And Roe v. Wade is based on that right to privacy. So when you overturn, or if somebody eventually overturns Roe v. Wade, it has to be very careful, I think, about what it says about that underlying right to privacy, which I think most people... Uh, would agree that well, there is uh, a uh, right to privacy or should be a right Alaska's to privacy. Alaska's constitution has that privacy clause. Exactly. And we were one of the first, I believe, five states to legalize abortion before Roe v. Wade hit. Yeah, I think that's correct. California, Alaska, there's a few others. Because, um, you know, I think as a, as a newer state, the folks who wrote our constitution had a lot more to go off of. Yeah, that's one good thing about coming in towards the end of the thing. You get a lot of, you get a lot of clues for how things work, and you can you know, write... Uh, a constitution that is well, 1959 or whenever they completed it. Um, a lot more modern uh, issues can be mm-hmm. incorporated. So where I want to kind of go back to the local government is I think there's, you talk about this focus on the Supreme court, mm-hmm. which a lot of people, that's kind of their issue. That's it. Yeah. Uh, Trump, Biden, Congress, all these things, uh, even on the state level, dividend, um, budget, you know, cuts, ferries, university. And you just get to the local part and, I just think a lot of people just don't give a fuck. I mean, they don't they don't care. They don't get involved. But I mean, this is like we all know this is the 
government level that has the biggest impact on us through property taxes, through local laws, right? So do you think there's going to be more now that the scandal happened and, and folks are obviously very concerned about the, the housing and the homelessness and the COVID money? Is that a blip and it's going to go away? Or do you think there might be some more now, focus on the I th- local politics? I think when cities and localities are running well, there's very little interest in them. They, you know, if, if the garbage is getting picked up, nobody is focusing on the garbage. As long as it's getting done when it's supposed to get done. It's only when things start to be running not so well that people start paying a lot of attention to city government, I think. So the key to getting, you know, it's only a blip as long as we can get Anchorage to start running better and start fixing some of the problems that we've been seeing and some of the things that have been growing around town that have got people upset and a lot of people upset, not just, you know, a, you know, a fringe group of people, but, uh, Oh no, I have majority. friends who are, you know, smart folks who, you know, they work, whatever they aren't really, they have never paid attention to the local and they call me and, and you know, they say, what the hell is going on? Yeah. And I said, well, part of the problem is you, you have no idea and you should have some idea. Yeah. I was when I was on the assembly, I mean, there's a very small, you don't realize it uh, until maybe you get in a position like that, that so very few people do pay attention to local politics or care. I mean, I, most people I, I would meet didn't realize that they had two assembly persons uh-huh. that, that represented them and certainly didn't know who they were for the most part, um, it, which is fine. You know, I, I, I think in a perfect world, you're out busy working and stuff. You know, if if the city's running good and you don't have to worry about it. I think it was like Trevor Noah or something. I think it was Trevor Noah. Or no, maybe it was uh, Jim Jeffries, his Australian comedian. But yeah, he he says a couple years ago and he goes, you know, when things are fucked, he's like, when I know everybody's names, I know all these motherfuckers' names, all these secretaries, and I don't want to know their names. He's like, (laughs) that's funny because it's true. I think that, yeah, we do. Only when we get worked up about things, and nobody gets worked up when things are going fine. You're focusing on your own life. You're focusing on your job and your kids and the things you like to do to have fun. It's only when things aren't working the way you think they should be working and what you think you're entitled to as a taxpayer that all of a sudden you start getting upset and start trying to figure out, well, who the hell is responsible for this? And then you start learning the names. Mm-hmm. So we, we have this assembly, which is very progressive. And Anchorage isn't, I wouldn't say we're, I mean, we're not a far right, we're not Wasilla or Kenai, but we are, I'd say, a, if, if anything, center right, maybe center. We're not, we're not a very center, we're not very left. Yeah, no, I think we've moved from sort of a center right to closer to a center over the last few years, but definitely a, a center centrist city. But the, but the assembly, you know, doesn't show doesn't depict that, and no. I think uh, that goes back to who runs, who who wants to be in. I mean, you couldn't. I mean, I'll be honest, you couldn't pay me probably any amount of money to be in that thing. Okay. I mean, you got what every two weeks, right? And, and besides that, you're probably working in the interim, reading things. Oh, right? yeah, no, it's uh, I, I spend about. 30 hours a week, I think I estimated every week on assembly stuff. And you were the chair of the Homelessness Committee too, right? Yeah, and the Public Safety Committee for a while too. And uh, yeah, that was, uh, I think if you're going to do it, you got to do it right. You got to put a lot of effort into it. You can be on the assembly. And there were some people that were like that. They'll show up for a meeting. They don't really do much. They'll cast their votes. Um, Aren't that informed necessarily. Um, But there are others that work really hard at it. And it doesn't doesn't pay much, right? 30, 25, 20 something is what it was. I, it, yeah, it doesn't, it's minimum wage for the amount of hours for sure. So looking forward, we talked about this before on the phone, but, but, um, you know, I think one of the best things we could do in Anchorage, maybe the best thing we could do is, is really start attracting 
through a bit, you know, building additional housing and, and, you know, condos or type kind of downtown type housing. We have all this folks in Seattle and, and Silicon Valley and all over the country who, who can now, it's pretty clear, can work remotely. And a lot of these people, they'd love to be in a place where in 30 minutes you can be in the most pristine kind of wilderness that most people dream of. You know, there has to be a push to get people, I mean, I think, up here. Yeah, I mean, in the 21st century, because capital and jobs are so mobile, mobile, any city that wants to succeed it has to be able to attract people and has to be able to attract investment and has to be able to attract capital. And you do that by making it a place that people want to live, that want to bring their businesses, want to bring their families. And we have an advantage in the sense that, you know, we are, you know, like right at the base of the Chugach. Uh, there are very few cities of our size anywhere in the country that can offer the same sort of amenities we do. I mean, you can literally get in the car on a Friday and drive 20 minutes, park, park a lot, and an hour later you can be in, you know, like National Geographic level. I, I walk from my door of my house. I don't even have to take a car. I can walk up. Uh, I live on the hillside. Walk up, climb up flat top, do all that stuff. And, you know, places that a lot of people just dream about. But the thing is we have to have the rest of the city in a position and in a condition uh-huh. uh, that still attracts people. I mean, we have this like live, work, play. We already have that, which has kind of faded. But um, I mean, and to do this, it's got, we got to have the housing. We have to have, have the, the ability for people, which is in any case, we're already cheaper than, you know, Seattle or San Francisco. But this, this other thing is this homelessness. This kind of this, you drive down the street and you, you see, I mean, people having sex on the sidewalk or, needles yeah. in the in the trails um yeah it's just, it's out of control and that is an issue and i think that's the issue that more than anything else has driven people to become disenchanted with the city and with you know the administration recently uh because it's so visible i mean you can't go anywhere in town without seeing either somebody begging or somebody defecating or somebody doing all kind of things and it's just it's not touched it's just allowed to kind of go on uh as if you know that they're somehow you know uh, untouchable and mm-hmm. we can't do anything. And that's not true. I mean, there, there are definitely laws that protect and, you know, home being homeless is not a crime nor should it be. But a lot of the, the uh, activities that go along associated with what we call homelessness uh, are illegal and should be stopped. Uh, Cause if we don't clean up that, nobody's going to want to move here no matter how close you are to yeah. the mountains. So you were one term in the assembly. You didn't run for a second term. And mm-hmm. I think we talked about this. I mean, do you kind of, is your is your view? It's this has to be done through the mayor's office. I mean, why didn't you run for a second term? Uh, well, well, I got in. I did a lot of things I wanted to do. I never intended to be a career politician. You know, I, I have I through the whole time I was on the assembly, I also had, was maintaining my law practice. So I never stopped working full time doing that. So it was always just a side gig. I think the assembly is, and that's how it really should be. It shouldn't be a, a profession. I don't mm-hmm. think. Um, so yeah, after three years and, you know, the, I was in a minority sort of, I'm sort of on the conservative side as far as fiscal uh, issues go. And, and that was definitely already the city, the assembly was turning and was, you, you know, you got on in what, 13, thir- thir- 2014 to 2017 I was on. Okay. And by so the you time were on with some of the, I mean, many of the folks that are on there now, you were on there with a constant. Yeah. No, Chris got on the same time I got off. He uh, he got on in 2017. I was oh, on Forrest and Pete uh, were on. Um, not Suzanne, right? Nah, Suzanne took my seat, so she got on when I got off. Okay. Uh, Weddleton, Weddleton was on when I got, he was on for a year in Forrest, and well, Eric Croft was on, but he's off already. 
Not too many of them. Actually, most of the ones on the assembly now came on after I got off. Yeah, so Felix, New, Meg, uh, Austin Quinn Davidson, yeah. um, Jamie Allard, Crystal Kennedy. Yeah, all of them are after me. And it's interesting. I mean, I think that shows, too. I thought when I watched the assembly meeting the other night uh, when Ethan resigned, um, and, and I've seen a few recently, too, it's, it, it's kind of a circus. And some of that is the people to, to come to kind of make it a circus. But it's also the the ability of the assembly to control its. Well, there was that one a while back. I think we talked about the one a while back where those people yeah. were just lying down, and um, it was just so bizarre. It's like, what what is this? I mean, this is the city government here. This isn't like some like local yeah. local theater. <laughs> yeah, I got the impression in watching it that they had lost a lot of institutional knowledge from that body in a short time period. I mean, Trainee, you were with Trainee, right? Yeah, he, he he'd run that in LV yeah, too. Yeah. They were no. I mean, you could. They could be politically whatever, but they no nonsense. They wouldn't put up with any bullshit like that. Yeah, I think Pat Flynn and Dick and LV were all chairs at various times while I was on, and all of them ran really good meetings, um, whether you agree with they're doing or not. But they didn't no, know how to all take three control. of them. Yeah, they had they, they had control. Yep, and that's key. You have to do that. You have to have control. So so now there was this little tiny fight over you know Austin uh, Quinn mm-hmm. Davidson or John Weddleton. And they picked Austin, so mm-hmm. she'll take over Monday, Friday, and then Rivera w- became vice chair. He'll revert to chair, so we're going to have a, a 10-member assembly. So now this happened, last time this happened was uh, Matt Clayman mm-hmm. took over. And this is not, it's not too too dissimilar because he started in January because Begich became senator, resigned in early January. Mm-hmm. And in that case, Clayman just served through Ju- July 1. He yeah. didn't, there was no election. Um, it was a little closer, a few months closer. Um, yeah, I think because uh, it was almost within nine. The election was out. The regular election was within ninety yeah. days of the uh, Matt taking over. So this is uh, a little bit further off by a few months. But so when this happens, um, Austin Quinn Davidson. I mean, she basically be, becomes. She has all the. She's the mayor. I mean, yep. not elected, but everything else. She she yeah. can all the powers of the mayor go to her. Now, can this assembly? Do they have any way of taking that back, or is, is once she's in, that's it? Um, not any easy way. I mean, most of the powers that are to go to the mayor from the charter, we have the strong mayor type uh-huh. of government. So you'd have to actually change the charter. I mean, they could make a move to do that, but on a day to day basis, you can't really do that. Is, is there a norm? Is there a, I don't know the answer to this. Is there, a, um, like in the legislature, you could impeach the governor. Is there some kind of function in, in our charter for the assembly to remove a mayor or no? I, I am not aware of, I'm not, if there is, I'm not aware of it. Okay. Could be. So she now now she becomes, I'll say the man, but she becomes the in charge. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna get in trouble for that one. She she takes over Friday. She becomes mayor. Yeah, uh, as of Friday at five o'clock, I think Austin is the uh, the mayor of Anchorage. Now I've heard some different things from some of the assembly folks, and and one in particular told me, you know, that they're basically gonna say, look, look, any personal legislation, I'm gonna probably just uh, abandon for now and focus on the budget be- because th- there is the. Um, the, the very real fact that she wasn't elected. Mm-hmm. So that, do you think that has any kind of impact or not necessarily on, on what they do in the next, you know, eight months or nine months? I mean, I, I, I would hope it does. I mean, I think in that type of position, it's again, it's one of those norms that we talk about how things should operate. They're not written into law. There's no legal binding effect, but if you know, nobody wanted, you know, nobody voted for her to be mayor. Um, so you really shouldn't do, you have no mandate necessarily yeah. from the people. 
Um, so you should focus on just sort of the nuts and bolts of running the government, I think, and not try to do anything that's, you know, a special project or, you know, I, I got to believe it's tempting. You're the mayor. You want to get things done that you've always wanted. Because uh, even it, if, even no matter what happens in, in May, mm-hmm. uh, very likely in May, mm-hmm. she'll, there'll be a, a new mayor elected. Right. So that even if it was still Ethan, I mean, you basically become kind of the it's a transitional phase. You're You're on your way out. Yeah. I mean, hopefully, you know, I think the best thing that uh, Ms. Quinn Davidson can do is kind of calm the city, you know, show a very responsible kind of uh-huh. form of government. Uh, don't do things that are going to, you know, aggravate the situation. It's everybody's all stressed out with the, you know, the emergency orders and all that stuff. Um, and and kind of get people calmed down so we can go into the election and well, have a pretty stable populace. Now my observation is in situations like this in, in Austin, and I like I actually I really like Austin. She's a nice, nice, very nice person. Get along with her. She's extremely progressive. I'd say she's left of Ethan on most most issues. Mm-hmm. But in situations like this, um, I, I my my observation is people either seize the moment and do really well, and and rise to the occasion, or they just implode. I mean, there's really no, there's two paths, and I really hope it's the first one. I really hope that's the first. Yeah, I think everybody in Anchorage should hope it's the first one. It's you know it's. In all of our best interest, if she succeeds during the next six, seven months uh, as mayor. And, you know, th- like you said, it's budget season right now, which is a you know critically important so time for the assembly. I was going to ask you that. When does the budget get uh, pretty soon, right? It gets oh, yeah. Right now is they should be already having, I haven't been following it that closely, but they should already be having their, you know, sessions on the budget, the mayor's proposed budget, which I imagine they had gotten out already before uh, Ethan resigned. Um, and usually the... Uh, the assembly takes it up in November and passes the budget. Um, and then there's so we're, weeks we're, after that. We're, get, we're getting there, right? Pretty oh, yeah. Quick. No, we're right there. This is when the time, this is probably the busiest time for the assembly normally as far as the number of meetings that are required to do the budget right. So they're just getting into that now, and uh, they need to be focusing on that because that's really important. Now, I told you, I, you know, who, who am I? I'm, I'm, no, I'm no expert here, but I have had a little bit of campaign experience uh, we, we, I think you got to adopt the Warren Harding. Is, is that right? Nineteen twenty. Yeah, Warren Harding, return to normalcy. Um, I, I, you, so I, I kind of said, "Hey, you know, back to normal," and or return to normalcy. And you said, War, "So I looked it up, and that was actually his campaign slogan." Because the war, World War One, yeah. the League of Nations, all these things were happening in the you know, nineteen, I guess, tens and yeah, um, yeah. Even after teens. the war, the whole Red Scare and everything, it was pretty wild. The commies, yeah, you know. was, <laughs> Russian Revolution was seventeen. The Spanish flu, which is going just yes, you know, yeah. wow. Course, think yeah. about that. Yeah, and then, all those things: Russian Revolution, Spanish flu, yeah. World War Two, League of Nations. Whew. So we think we're in living in interesting times. But we're not alone. There have been other times when people well, have been. I've read, you know, a while back I read Nixonland, and it's yeah. all about the sixties. And I just watched. I don't know. Have you seen this? Um, the trial of the Chicago Seven. I love that movie. I just watched it. I thought it was a great movie. See, I never, I am kind of familiar with that. I heard of it or something, but then I, re- I read Nixonland, um, and it just goes into a deep, you know, a lot of the book covers that whole thing. And it was, when were you born? When, uh, 1960. Okay, so you weren't really, you probably didn't remember it, I guess, but. No, I was a little kid when, I was like nine when they had the. But the it, it was it was a national, I mean, it was a theme oh, yeah. in the country where they, if the folks don't know, it was basically these, um, uh, Johnson was done, and. Uh, Ramsey Clark was the AG under Johnson under Johnson. And and he kind of resigned late and and the new guy, John Mitchell, who went Watergate Mm -hmm. much later, uh, decided to prosecute these, these kind of ragtag group of different folks. One of them was Abby Hoffman, who was very radical, 
and um, what was it, Ruben, Dre Rubin, who later became a millionaire stockbroker. Yeah, yeah. But then this other, there was another guy who was like a Boy Scout troop leader, and then some other kind of weird guys. Dave and, Dellinger, and then Tom Hayden, and, and Tom Andy Davis. St- state senator Yeah, in California. No, they all kind of grown up, and they got... But they all got put on trial, and Bobby Seale, who was the Black Panther, <laughs> yeah. and that was another... He, they got... They got, what's it called when you take him out and you, he got removed from the trial? Yeah, he was, uh, I don't know what the term for it is. You don't usually do that. But, yeah, he was taken out of the courtroom and, and in the movie, anyway, bound and gagged. Um, so it was it was eight, then it was seven. But, um, I mean, yeah. Oh, he had a mistrial. That's right. They actually removed him from they, the case. Yeah, they removed him because they said it was so. Because yeah. they wouldn't let him have his lawyer. Right. I mean, it was basically a show trial. In America. A political trial, yes. And that's what they kept saying. He's yeah. like, there's no political trials. In the, and, and i got to say, um, Sasha Baron Cohen knocks it out of the park. Yeah, and Mark Rylance as William Kunstler. There was it, it, It's a really good movie, and it, Aaron Sorkin directs it, mm-hmm. who, and I love Aaron Sorkin's writing. It's yeah. So you can just have people talking in a room, and it's very exciting. So, But, but you know, I was just saying that, that as bad as things are now, I think they're pretty bad. Yeah. The 60s, I mean, people were getting murdered every other, you know, King and Ke- Kennedy and... Um, you know, the, the, um, Edgar Evers and all these, you know, people yeah. were just getting murdered, like assassinated. Yeah. It was, it was like a routinely routine thing. Yeah. Sixties. I mean, a lot of people compared this year to 68, given, you know, the presidential election Convention. in 68, we had the Hong Kong flu, which killed a hundred thousand people. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it was a similar year, you know, uh, and the, and the riots in the streets, all kind of things. And this is why if you read about Abby Hoffman, I mean, he committed suicide in 89 and, there's different reasons for that. Some people think he didn't, but it was he was getting old, and I think he didn't like that. But he really hated what happened in the 80s, which was the 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 um, kind of effect uh, of the 60s was was the, 80, the Reagan. Yeah, that, that was the uh, knee jerk or the uh, you know every action opposite equal reaction. Yeah. So I think he, a lot of those guys hated that because they wanted the revolution, and the revolution re- returned later. Uh, Reagan and the Moral Majority and Jerry Falwell. Yeah. It's all sort of, you know, yin and yang, and it just kind of goes in that pendulum kind of cycle, and it tends to, at least American politics has tended to do that for a long time. You know. So what, what, what are we, maybe we're looking in 2030, a whole different make, you know? Yeah, it could. I mean, we've, you know, we've seen, you know, we're kind of, you know, the parties are kind of splitting to their extreme flanks at, you know, this point. Uh, so who knows what's going to come out of it? I mean, you have you know a lot of young people you know that follow Bernie and you know are really adamant and openly adamant about socialism and things. Uh-huh. It's, you know, it's like a new thing for them. Uh, they didn't go through all the you know the periods in the past where you know that was kind of uh, you know uh, perhaps yeah. debunked. And not cool. Yeah, <laughs> not cool. <laughs> not cool. Um, so for them, it's new and fresh. And it, and and and, and uh, my kids are that. My, I, three kids in their twenties. And, you know, I, I could see why they would find something like that attractive because they look at, you know, what our, our normal sort of capitalist system has been doing of late. And well, look at the concentration of wealth and how hard yeah. it is to, I mean, there, there, there's, I just heard, um, I hear that I was a podcast or there, there was some, my video I heard and it was like this guy, you know, walked five miles to work every day and home and two and a half miles or something. So five miles a day to back, you know, and, Eventually, his boss boss bought him a car, and it was like they everybody praised it. That's great; he has a car now. But they said the question shouldn't be. It's great, you know. The, the, it shouldn't be. It's so great the boss bought him a car. It's like why the fuck is a guy working forty hours a week having to walk to work? Yeah, no, I mean you know, that, that that should be the bigger question at play. Yeah, we do have you know we do have a lot of issues of inequality of income and wealth in this country and uh, healthcare. The cost of just yeah. get, if you don't have insurance. You, 
I mean, you're, you're basically screwed. Yeah. No, it, uh, it, we have no shortage of problems. Um, and we have very little willingness to deal with those problems in a sort of constructive, compromising kind of manner. That's, and without that, a lot of things just don't get done. Um, yeah, compromise is sort of an ugly word on in both sides of the, the used, politics used, now. Used to not be. No, that used to be how you did things. I mean, you were you were kind of rewarded for being somebody who had the ability to kind of work deals and get things done and work with people on the other side and pull together coalitions and do things and just get things done. And now we just don't get things done. I mean, that's we just drift. Uh, it's almost impossible unless you have you can force through some of your legislation by a bare majority of one or two senators. That was the Affordable Care Act. Was yeah, it? Yes, for the last Fully ten years, Republican. anything important, you're only it's going to barely get through because it's Democrats. Yeah. And uh, so that, that's where we're at. And then you know, as long as we're in that mode until that changes, yeah, it, it, people are not going to be very satisfied with the country, or with their state, or with their city. Um, I think you know, and this sounds like crazy to say, but. There's this electoral thing, and, and there's this election coming up, and I've, I've, this isn't just me. I mean, this is, uh, uh, I'm thinking of his name, the the uh, columnist, uh, the author. He was on CNN. Oh, my gosh, I'm forgetting his name. But he basically talked about this idea of, of a of, of not, 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 not a real civil war, but like a some states recognize Biden, some states recognize Trump. And there's this kind of weird, like, who's the guy? He's in New York. I'm I'll think of his name in a second, but like where he, scenario where California, Oregon, and Washington says, "Fuck it, Biden's our president," and and it sounds crazy to say that, but in history, you, you always think nothing, you know, can't happen here, and all you know, these things always happen. Yeah, no, I, I have grave concerns for what's going to happen with this election. I uh, never in my life previously have I had this level of concern about what the outcome of the election is going to be. Um, I think you're, it's going to be a mess. I think it has the potential certainly to be a mess given everything that's being said and the number of states that are having to change their procedures because of COVID and the legal challenges that opens up so that, uh, you know, I, I think it's going to make, you know, 2000 look like just a, you know, a minor league ball game. And this is going to be the, the major leagues where you have 20 different states where the outcomes are contested all at the same time. And this gets into a constitutional, I think 20, 25th or 20, I got mixed up, but one of the amendments deals with this. If there's no clear winner by some date in, I think, January, then the, the Congress steps in, right? Yeah. The House steps in. Yeah. And they can pick anybody. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, no, it could get really wild. Um, loose. Real loose. Um, I mean, scary, actually. Yeah, and that's what I mean. Even even our mayoral campaign, I mean, a lot of, you know, a lot of people out there are saying, yeah, I don't hear too much. What are you doing? And then the reality is, you know, we're working behind the scenes, kind of trying to raise money, doing things like that, getting people to go to the website. Um, but, you know, and, until this whole thing shakes off with this election coming up uh, in two weeks from tomorrow yeah. and the aftermath of that, you know, I, I, I think it's, you know, best for us to kind of just, you know, keep our message sort of quiet. I mean, there's been a lot of interest in the mayor's race because of this whole recent scandal. But like you said, before that, people were focusing on these other things, and they're going to go back to focusing on those sort of things pretty soon. Last thing I'll ask you, what, what did you think when you heard the voicemail? Oh, it's just unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, it's... It's it, like a movie. It's out of a, yeah, out of a movie. It, it doesn't seem real. Um, it, it's just so Did your wife hear it? Yeah, she's heard oh it. Oh, my God. Yeah. What a, <laughs> I yeah. can't even imagine. 
No, I mean everybody. You know, everybody kind of goes to that old, the old Fatal Attraction movie. Yes, it's just, yeah, it's just, bunny in the pot. Yeah, and it's you know it's sort of well, very I guess off told tale, but you just don't normally. Where, 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 go where, public. Where'd you, were you just, were you, cause I, I did that story pretty late. Were you home or? When I saw, yeah, I was home when, uh, yeah, cause it was on, on the landmine yeah. and all of a sudden, oh, wow, that's interesting. What's this voicemail? And, cause the, the rest of the story has been coming out in drips and. Yeah, that was kind of the, 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 the end of, that was Monday. So that was when the story was really starting to get on, on unwinding a bit about, you know, he admitted to having some tech texting thing and then. Yeah. That, that. Voicemail kind of, that's where it really got unglued. I saw the first, uh, the the little video she did when she was pumping the news for yeah, later that, was that fr- night. That was, that was that Friday. Was Friday. Yeah. And I thought that was, that was kind of out there. I was like, what the heck? And uh, I thought that was kind of nuts. But then uh, then the <laughs> then, then, the she, then she gets arrested. Went. Yeah, which, you know, it was all kind of murky for people just watching it on the outside. There was reports she just got arrested and, you know, people saying no. or So it was kind of hard to figure out exactly what was yeah, going no, on. Yeah, no, absolutely. I thought... I thought Friday was the weird day, the weird ending to a wild day, and then and then Saturday the, the escort daughter comes well, out. That's, and then I read the story I, you posted on the escort daughter, and I said, "Wow, that's a whole." It's a. It seemed like it wasn't even a related tangent to the. It other wasn't. Things. Every day got weird, and then Sunday, then, then I make the Kreiner's diner. The the brother of the cookie lady is Kreiner, Andy Kreiner. Right. So that, that's a Sunday. So every day, like it gets like weirder and weirder and weirder and weirder, and then culminates with this tape, this tape voicemail that. That we go back to Friday that set her off and based on the cookie lady, and then and then her backing off trying to preserve the Nestle deal. Yeah, no, it was it, it has angles to that story that no one would have uh, <laughs> we're, we're, believed if you wrote it out. People so. are calling it Par- Parks and Rec meets Tiger King. <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely had a Tiger King kind of vibe to it. Uh, <laughs> sadly, and it's, the whole thing is just. I mean, I really, f- I, I feel bad for you know, not necessarily the principals involved because you kind of you make your bed and you got to lie in it. Uh-huh. Uh, but uh, for the families and, and you know of all, both that's the worst parts, part. You know, I mean, I I, I, uh, I know a lot of you know these people. We live in the community. Yeah, I know. I, I know Mara. I think she's you know great. I was on a board with her for three yeah, years at Alaska Institute for Justice, so. and I just you know feel bad for them, and hopefully they can you know work it out. In people their have personal overcome life, and people have over. I mean, um, Blagojevich is trying to make a comeback right now. Yeah, it's he was in jail for te- like almost ten years. Yeah, no. before Trump came. You know, there's a really good um, show on Netflix, uh, a recent show about him. And Blagojevich. about his kind of rise. He was like man of the people. Everybody loved him. He yeah. was a good, and this whole thing came up with the seed and, and Obama. And, um, you know, and he got first one was a mistrial. They went back and did it again. And then he got the judge for whatever reason, gave him 14 years. He had a long sentence. And I mean, there was like, before him, there was like a mob guy that was bragging about killing people. who got 11 years. Yeah. Well, they, Illinois had this history of it's sending its governors to prison. I yeah. Mean, the I, one I before him. Four out of five or something like that. Is, I think, so I think they were kind of making an example of him. Yeah. Said, Look, you got to stop fucking around. But yeah. then Obama com- commuted his sentence in uh, February, I think, this February. Yeah, and it. now he's trying to make a comeback. Trump did. Not Obama. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Oops, Trump. Yeah, Trump. Yeah. Trump commuted the sentence. Right. I got mixed up because he was trying to sell Obama, sell seed, Obama yeah. seed. He he's like, I'm not giving it. There's tapes. Like, I'm not giving this fucking thing away for nothing. You yeah. Know? <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. You wonder why people he was don't funny trust en- politicians. He was funny enough working in Alaska during the pipeline. Now I did. A, I had a cameo. You know the camera where you pay famous people to do a video. Yeah, I, mean, I did see that. So yeah. he did a cameo um, in spring, and I did, it was fifty bucks. He was on cameo, and I said, tell the folks on Campbell Lake to invite all the. You know, residents of Anchorage to enjoy, enjoy this great public oh, lake, and then he goes off on some side thing about how I used to work in Alaska in the summers in the seventies, or uh-huh. yeah, the summers um, on the pipeline as like a cook or a dishwasher or something. And he was talking about flying up and going to Fairbanks and Pump Station too, and 
It's like, I'm trying to get a hold of that guy. I got to get a, that's a podcast. Yo, that'd be a great one. Yeah. Be a good one. That'd be very entertaining. Well, Bill, I think you should, uh, I think you should start your own mayoral podcast. I mean, you're pretty good at this. Oh, I don't know. Uh, the Bill Evans mayor pod, you know, start doing weekly or people need content. I don't want to compete with you though. You know, I don't, uh, they're calling me now. Somebody told me, uh, friend of mine that I'm JV Joe Rogan, <laughs> which pretty much describes this thing anyways. It, uh, I don't know. It's not JV. It's maybe it's varsity. It's uh, not bad. <laughs> I'm not making the hundred million dollars like Joe Rogan. You heard about that? Oh, you're, Spotify deal. Is that much? That's what they said. Wrote hundred million. And then Damn. it's kind of funny. There's a big fight at Spotify apparently because, um, they, when they uploaded all the episodes from YouTube, um, they left some off like a uh, Miley Yiannopoulos, um, you know, what's the crazy guy, Alex Jones, a few other ones they left off. And and then there was some podcast he did and said something about, I made some comment about some fires and about Antifa. I don't even know. Mm. But now the Spotify, some of the folks want to, like, quit if they don't basically censor him. Wow. And he's not going to get censored, I, I would think. Yeah, I wouldn't think. But for $100 million, maybe somebody gets a little censored. I don't... So there's this whole kind of yeah. thing. I don't. I was in the news a few. Hundred million dollars. You can censor me a little bit. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Not a lot. Just a little. <laughs> All right, Bill. Well, um, again, Bill Evans run for mayor, and uh, you know we're hopefully if everything goes, I dare say smoothly, but 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 doesn't explode here after the election. I think this will probably pop off here uh, January. I would say really start maybe December even now. Yeah, hopefully December. You know we can get past this election and people start focusing on the mayor's race and we can get really kind of out there and active. I think that'd be good for. For the city and start talking about the issues. That Maybe are you can do like some of these politicians in Chicago, like you hand out turkeys oh, on Thanksgiving. You know, get, get a little turkey drive, turkey and, and uh, you know, stuff. Some for the vegans and, and you know, <laughs> equal opportunity. See, I like see your yeah. your your inclus- inclusivity. Oh right? yeah, that's I'm the all, word. I'm all about. I'm for everybody here. So it's uh, votebillevans.com. Check it out. All right, Bill. Thanks for coming. On. I'll have you on again. You're you're one of my my favorite uh, pod. Podcasts. I thought we determined I'm a weekly guest now. I I mean, okay, we'll have to. This is Tuesday? Cal- yeah, every Tuesday. We'll have the calendar. All right. Yeah. Okay. All right, Bill. Thanks for coming on. See you, man. Yeah. Bye. All right, folks. If you have an idea for a podcast or want to do a podcast, uh, get a hold of me and stay tuned for the next one. Landline.